Hi, I'm Andrew. Welcome to another episode of Better Know an Archetype. Today I'm going to be talking to you about the control archetype. So far, we've covered two different archetypes, the rush archetype and the steel or Russian steel archetype. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about control. And the objective of any control archetype, of any control deck, is to prevent your opponent from executing their game plan. There's a variety of ways that might happen, of shapes that might take. But overall, the thing that we're trying to do in a control deck is stop the opponent from doing whatever the, their game plan is so that we can uh, get ours done ahead of time. So if you imagine two players who are each playing straight rush decks with no control elements, then in, in some ways they're each playing a game of solitaire. They're each trying to execute their game plan as quickly as they can to achieve the goal of three keys and win the game. Yeah, if one of them is playing a Russian Steel type deck, then they might slow the opponent down a little bit in terms of Amber while speeding up their own Amber generation. Um, however, in a control archetype, you're going to be uh, just actively trying to just prevent the opponent from being able to do any of the things that they want, um, completely frustrating them if possible, and then opening up space for you to execute your game plan and win. Uh, some control decks might also have a rush element where they're, they just need to slow down the opponent enough to get over the finish line. Some control decks can actually be pretty slow because their objective is to stretch the game out over uh, many more turns than would normally be the case so that they have, again, a, a chance to execute their game plan because the opponent is slowed down so much. So uh, let's get into it. To search for some examples of control decks, the uh, parameters that I put into decks of Keyforge are uh, a minimum disruption value of 10. That's it. Um, higher might be reasonable, but I think 10 is pretty good. And I'll talk a little bit about how not all control counts as disruption in DOK, and, and that's fine. But disruption in DOK is a pretty good uh, proxy for control. So when we do this, let's look at what we get. Um, we get cards like Etan's Jar. Uh, we get cards like Mark of Dees. We get cards like Mind Over Matter, Snudge, Imp Spectre. We get Control the Weak. We get Life Ward. We get Ember Imp. Uh, we get Scrambler Storm. We get uh, punctuated equilibrium, mind fire, in furnace. Okay, so um, each of these cards that we're seeing here uh, with some sort of disruption value is again stopping the opponent from doing things they might want to do. In the case of life ward, we're preventing the opponent from playing creatures. Um, and there are some decks that will just fold over to this. Uh, Quixelstone is another artifact that does this but it does it over a longer period of the game if your opponent has a very creature heavy deck and you present them with hey you can't play creatures uh, that that can be really devastating control the weak lets you tell your opponent what house they're going to play that 
can be extremely <laughs> disruptive. If you, uh, if your opponent wants to steal your amber, for example, you went to 12 and they're like, hey, I have this too much to protect, this is great, but you suddenly play control the weak and tell them, nope, this turn you're going to go into untamed. Then you have uh, prevented them from executing the plan that they want to that they want to do. If uh, your opponent is sitting on five amber and they have Martian generosity in their hand, and you control the weak them into sanctum, you have uh, you know greatly disrupted their plan and, and prevented them from doing what they want. So uh, these cards like Control the Weak that tell your opponent what house to play, that's very powerful. Mark of Dees is a less powerful version of that. Um, it does do the damage, but it is um, a lot, it has a lot of conditions on being able to uh, to tell your opponent what house to play. It's it's not as easy. Um, Etan's Jar lets you tell your opponent they can't play a card of a certain name. That, that can be um really soul crushing uh infernus and other cards that purge let you take out the best cards from your opponent's deck now if you look uh the disruption value on infernus for example is much lower than etan's jar and i don't want to necessarily defend every number here but um but part of the reason for that is a card like infernus only lets you do, do that after a card has been played or discarded, but typically Infernus can only do its work after a card has already been played, uh, which is going to matter when the deck cycles, but it, but it means they did already get to use it once, so and that, that could be pretty important. Uh, Punctuated Equilibrium, great control card because it, uh, it, dis it completely disrupts combos where your opponent might be trying to hold a card. Dysania, is a really good control card or disruption card because it, um, again, it removes that. Your opponent has been building up this game plan. They want to have these cards in archives that they're going to play, and you say, nope, you lose all your cards from archives. Um, so any of these cards uh, that say, that limit what your opponent can do or take away options from them are really, really excellent control cards. Uh, uh, just a couple other kind of hard control options. Um, there are cards like Succubus that reduce the number of cards that your opponent draws. Uh, cards like Binding Irons that give them chains. These are all forms of control because uh, you're reducing the number of options that are available to your opponent. Ember Imp uh, reduces the number of cards your opponent can play. Restringuntus prevents them from playing certain houses. So again, these are just all ways that you are limiting the scope of options to your opponent. Uh, in ways that that you know give you an advantage. So, um, all right. So, just to recap, really quick, the the whole goal of a control deck is to prevent the opponent from doing their game plan, and that's why I think this control playstyle. I think it's my favorite way to play, and. Um, how people feel about this can vary quite a bit. Uh, there are a lot of people who I think get really frustrated by control decks. And that's kind of the point of a control deck is to, again, frustrate your opponent, limit their options. On the other hand, these are the most interactive styles of decks. In order for me to play a control deck well, I need to actually understand what your goals are. To play a rush deck well, uh, many times I might be able to just ignore what you're doing. Um, if I have, you know, 
two Nepenthe seeds and a Martian generosity and two key abductions or something like that, I, I can probably ignore what you're doing. I'm trying to build up to my state and then I'm going to, you know, launch my combo and I'm going to win and it doesn't matter what you were doing. Um, but to win in a control play style, I have to understand what your goals are and then I have to prevent you from achieving them while I'm also trying to achieve my own goals. But the whole thing I'm doing is paying attention to what you're doing and, and interacting. And so this really is a super interactive play style. And, um, and these are, these often are longer games because, uh, because people are fighting over, you know, who gets to do what. Um, but again, in my view, this actually leads to much more interactive games, a lot less of the sort of solitaire feel. And so even though it can be frustrating to lose because you didn't get to play the house you wanted or because you stopped being able to play cards at all, um, I, th I think, you know, ultimately, if, if you're, um, if you were to take away the, the control play style, you, you would ultimately just have a, a game of solitaire or two people playing solitaire and trying to see who could play it faster. So, uh, so that's, that's why I love control. Um, and I think it's really important. It's also from a meta standpoint, um, it is just an important counterbalance against rush and, and things like that. Um, to challenge them and, and reduce their their value. Um, yeah, if, if you can if you can play a deck that prevents your opponent from doing what they want, then the decks that just have insane combos become less valuable or less uh, less powerful overall because uh, because they now not only need to be able to do their plan, they also need to have tools to get out of control situations. So um, a couple other types of control that I want to talk about are, are uh, controlly cards. Um, one is one thing I wanted to mention is if you look here, yeah, like let's look at this deck, Dastardly Puzzle Ananta, um, super high disruption value of 21, right? It has two Control of the Weeks, two Life Wards, uh, Scrambler Storm, a Dysania, and then down at the bottom we have Hysteria, which has a disruption value of 0.81. That's that's kind of weird, but, uh, oh, I think it's probably affected by how many creatures you have, but, uh, that's kind of interesting. And, and I want to talk about why cards like hysteria and also lights out and nature's call, things like that are a form of disruption and, um, and control. And you might just think they're creature control, which, and, and creature control and amber control are an important part of an overall control strategy. You need to be able to do some of each of those things, but um, cards like Lights Out and Hysteria are more than just board control, and in a lot of situations, they can actually be worse for your opponent than just destroying the creatures, and that's especially true with creatures that don't have good play effects. So uh, the, the reason for this, the reason I think it, they're valuable as control cards is that when you when you play a card like Hysteria, you are taking all these creatures that your opponent had gotten out of their hand onto their board, and you're putting them into their hand. And ideally, they're pretty spread out among their houses. So now they suddenly have, you know, 10 cards in their hand instead of six, which 
okay, normally you'd be happy about that, but the cards are all spread out across houses, and so they're going to take a turn, they're going to play all their cards from a particular house, and they're still going to have six or seven cards in their hand and not be able to draw. And when they have tools, now, again, they have options, they get to choose what house they're going to play, but if they have tools that they were trying to get to, um, you, you've made it difficult for that to happen. You, you really ruined that. Um, and a, a part of good control play is being able to identify what is the, you know, the worst option for your opponent to put back in their hand if you have a choice or, or, you know, when is the right moment to do that. So, uh, yeah, so now you could make a mistake and hysteria, a bunch of logos creatures while your opponent has a library access in hand, that would kind of stink, but generally speaking, being able to uh, clog your opponent's hand in this way can be really effective. And actually, in uh, in Dark Tidings and Unfathomable, you have cards like uh, Maelstrom and Bubbles that do this this exact thing to your opponent. Uh, rather than putting them into their hands, sometimes you're putting cards on top of their deck, and it's it's all frustrating. It's all really really annoying. So um, so I think anyway, don't don't discount that as a control strategy, as a way to slow your opponent down. Um, additionally, there are effects that say you can't. So I mentioned Scrambler Storm. Stealth Mode is obviously the same card as Scrambler Storm, um, just different house and rarity. Um, but you have cards that say you, you your opponent can't reap um, or uh, your opponent can't resolve pips, uh, your opponent can't steal. And these are all really powerful forms of control. Anytime you're turning off a, an entire mechanism of the game for your opponent, it's uh, it's it's a really nice effect. There are also cards that don't say you you can't, but say uh, but impose some sort of cost. So Illusions of Grandeur is a good example of this. It's it works the exact same as Control the Week, but your opponent can choose to ignore the card. It's just that they're going to have to pay you in order, they're going to have to give you Amber in order to do that. Or a card like uh, like Hostage is another good example. Your opponent can use that creature, they just have to pay a cost before they do. Um, cards like Scylla and Charybdis also work this way, right? Okay, you, you can reap, but then your creature is going to take four damage. You can fight, but you're going to have to lose an Amber first. And so uh, Peace Accord, similarly, all of that's two-way. So there are ways to um, to impose a cost and control that way. Uh, okay, so additionally, um, yeah, so I, I think Dece is the house that we most often associate with control, but Sanctum has some really nice control as well. Logos and Star Alliance have some. Um, Unfathomable has quite a, has quite a lot actually. So um, so it's not. You know, not it's not totally lacking in other houses, although Dece is certainly I, I, the strongest in terms of uh, being controlling. Okay, so I mentioned Quixelstone earlier. Quixelstone is an amazing control card. It's just because it's two-sided, you have to have a deck that can use it well. But uh, a Quixelstone um, really turns off a, a whole lot of decks. Okay, so let's talk about some specific examples here. Um, Yeah, th these ones are are all great. <laughs> Just control the week, such a good control card. Um, 
but I wanted to walk through a few specific ones. Um, the first one I'm going to walk through that's not mine is Hydroveil Terminal Fate Breaker. This is uh, Dave Cordero from Reapout's deck, um, and I'm talking about it because I've lost to it in a really humiliating way, which, again, that's often how we feel losing the control. But uh, one of the central features of this deck, and it only has a 9.5 disruption score, but <clears throat> um, is these three stealth modes that... Um, that it can play and uh, in addition to having three stealth modes it also has a very high speed um, high efficiency so it cycles through the deck quickly cards like punctuated equilibrium uh, are a big part of how that works kirby is also a big part of that and so um so i was in a game once playing against this deck where i think the game lasted six turns and uh, stealth mode was played on five out of six of those turns or at least four um, and it's, it's kind of a, it, weird to think about, uh, even cycling that quickly, right? It cycled so quickly that it was able to play stealth mode almost every turn. And so, um, my entire deck, uh, the, you know, all, uh, however many actions, right? In this deck, there are 12 actions. I think that's fairly typical. So that's like a third of my deck that in a, you know, let's say, uh, let's see, global average number of actions is, is 13. So yeah, that's over a third of your deck that you aren't going to get to use uh, because this is being played over and over again. So I just thought that was a really interesting control style. Again, no decent here, but still pretty controlly. Um, now I'll talk about a few of my control decks that I love. Uh, HA Razorhand of the Speedy Mountain is one of them. Uh, this has a little bit of... Um, uh, key cost control here, but also has control in all three houses. It has two control the weeks, which again are, are very devastating when leveled at the right moment. Uh, a succubus and toxin that can deny the opponent options. And but then in Logos, it has Scrambler Storm, which uh, turns off certain actions for a turn. So maybe I burst to nine, but I play Scrambler Storm. And so, hey, you can't play your interdimensional graft or too much to protect or whatever you wanted. Um, obviously, Control the Weak can be a good way to stop those as well. We have, and then in Shadows, we have really good amber, uh, amber control tools, but we also have two copies of Lights Out and a Miasma. So, uh, so we can delay a key, setting up, you know, pressure for a too much to protect, but we also can clog up the opponent's deck with these lights outs. And a very, very common uh, comment that I get after games with Razor Hand is I'll have my opponent say, oh, wow, my deck really didn't draw well. And, um, and the truth is when you're playing it's a control style deck, you will often feel like your deck was shuffled wrong or like it didn't draw well but it's actually because your opponent was controlling you and and pushing you know pushing cards into your hand preventing you from drawing through your deck preventing you from playing the cards you wanted and uh, and i actually had a game i lost playing uh razor hand against a deck that just controlled me really well and so uh so i ended up having a, a terrible draw and i, I thought oh, i had a the worst draw I've ever seen. And afterwards I thought about it and realized, oh no, you kind of gave me a bad draw. So um, good to good to be aware of that stuff. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's one control deck. Here's another, this is, this kind of really hard control because there's almost no steel in this deck. Um, 
the only scaling amber control comes from these doorsteps to heaven and um and it has it has a crazy brobnar but um but the brobnar in this deck offers a this is honorable o whisper giver um the brobnar in this deck offers really consistent board control meanwhile two control the weeks and the possibility of recycling them with screaming cave can uh th there was one event where i uh, played control the week three turns in a row against an opponent and he had no cards in the house and that that locked out a game um so that can be really uh really oppressive not uh, the hand of d's i don't i don't love but um if you can get cards like snudge out too then it it means that your opponent isn't going to be able to um to keep certain tools out out, out on the board um it's a great way to deal with heart of the forest right here have it back oh you want to play it again you're gonna to have to generate an amber and eventually you're gonna to have to forge a key uh and then meanwhile in in the sanctum we're able to keep their board stunned uh burst uh cut their amber down to five um much of the time and have some other capture as well so um so yeah you you end up in a situation where opponents just feel like they can't do the things, um, which is great. Now this deck um, struggles a bit nowadays, um, mostly because it doesn't have great artifact control, and it just it itself doesn't have a high enough E to to keep up a lot of the time. But uh, but this next next deck is actually stronger and has uh, even lower E, but. Um, but the way it plays is is quite interesting. And you'll notice this deck, Crawley Breadland Centurion, does not have any Ds, but it does have um, a lot of board control in, you know, playing creatures and then playing cards like Phalanx Strike, um, has Neutron Shark. And one of the really fun, thing, fun things this deck can do is build up um, a Voltron that can be oppressive to the opponent. So for example, if you're playing against a, a deck that wants to steal, then having an Odoac with two Light of the Archons and an Encounter Suit and a Quadricorder um, is a way to just reliably tell your opponent, no, you may not, uh, you may not steal. Your keys are going to be more expensive, and uh, and you're not going to kill this thing ever. Um, and and that that's a very very effective uh, tool. Um, if you're if you're facing a more board heavy deck you might want to do a similar thing but with uh tribune pompatus so that you end up with a lot of large creatures from your city state interests that are you know very difficult to kill and you're able to just control the board away from your opponent so um and uh you know there are other ways to increase the cost too here right edai uh the retor gallums and then city state can can grab all that amber and um and I've had opponents get really frustrated because they get to a point where they say, oh, okay, like I have, I can do, I can play cards and then it, it won't matter. Um, this deck struggles a little bit against decks with uh, a lot of board wipes because if it can't get creatures on the board, then it, then it struggles. Um, but if it gets, if it gets creatures to stick on the board, then it's just absolutely oppressive. Um, all right. So in general, if you're playing against a control deck and you are trying to, uh, you know, make the control less effective, there, there are a few strategies you can employ, but it depends on 
Um, it depends on the type of control, but I would say in general, if you can keep your options open, it it really helps. And so, for example, if you know that your opponent is going to, it has a restoring guntist, and you're worried that they might be able to, you know, use restoring guntist to, um, to to lock you out of being able to play, then uh, keep making sure that you uh, have a split hand and not going for a six card hand, a six house, uh, six card of the same house hand can be nice. Um, making sure that you have options like, okay, I have a, I have a nerve blast and I have a tendrils of pain and they're both in my archives. And when that restaurant dentist comes out, I'm going to be able to kill it one way or the other. Um, there, you know, if you're, if you're worried that your opponent's going to, um, going to be using a lot of board wipes, then holding, having, um, Okay, I'm going to use my creatures that are on the board as much as I can, and try to get value out of that, and and bait out the the uh, board wipes so that then I can then I'll, afterwards I'll play more things for my I'll go into a house that I have a lot of in my hand, that can be really nice. Um, uh, control the week sort of falls flat if you can manage to have a worlds collide board that has uh, or mass mutation often that just has a big board then control the weekends up not being very useful because you have you know all your options are good um and if you have a little bit of control yourself then that can factor in as well right if if your opponent is playing a control deck and you have infernus and you're able to say okay you played your control the weeks but now i'm going to go ahead and purge them uh that can be that can be really helpful um uh, eye on the fringes is really great in that regard because uh, you get good value out of really good value out of uh, purging their these cards so um, uh, yeah one other thing I'll just say about um, about control decks I think there's a lot of attention given to the idea of a lockout deck or you know the ability to, to just um, control someone to the point that they have no options um, and, and that's always interesting, right? Like, uh, I mean, if you can get somebody into a situation where they can't play cards, then yeah, you're going to win. Um, but that doesn't have to be the result for control to be effective. Um, oftentimes control is effective because just because it forces your opponent into a suboptimal line of play. You played the restoring dentists, um, they had to go a house they didn't want to, and they had to, you know, kill two of their creatures to get your restoring entus dead um and that was their whole turn and and they they skipped a turn right that that can be really effective so um just don't get mixed up and think that because you can't like hard lock somebody it's not effective um so anyway that's the control play style i it, i really recommend tr at least trying out some control decks and obviously trying them will help you get better at playing against them as well um, but anyway i hope this was helpful and i sure enjoyed making it and i hope you get out and forge some keys